Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office, powered by Brain Fuel. Here with Jarrett Nobles, the Director of Business Development for the Los Angeles Chargers. Excited to talk to Jarrett about his journey into the world of sports. Uh, he did not start out in sports and some kind of unique perspectives from Jarrett in that respect. So nonetheless, Jarrett, welcome. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So in terms of your kind of your journey, your GPS into sports, um, give a, our listeners a little insight as to how you got to where you are, but also what was your mindset starting out of uh, when you, you know, walked across the stage, graduating college, what did you think you were going to go do? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, goodness gracious. So I, I kind of just, I guess I'll tell the story. So I, I went to uh, actually an all boys sports powerhouse, the Magic Catholic high school. And so interestingly enough, um, you know, being in and around sports was kind of always something that was uh, kind of near and dear to me. Uh, went to Florida A&M University, a historically black college in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, where I got my uh, undergrad degree in business administration. Um, and it's interesting, I like to say that I co-founded my event promotion lifestyle marketing company, which is a fancy way of saying I threw parties uh, in college. So I was the party promoter um, and never really thought that it would lead to anything, you know, uh, substantive. But, uh, you know, and, and, and to that point, when I graduated, I went to go work in finance uh, at Ever Jones. And, uh, you know, so by day I was working uh, in finance at Ever Jones. Uh, by night, my partners and I decided to do the events that we were doing in undergrad uh, in the cities where we got our first jobs. And so uh, I ended up in St. Louis, quickly realized you couldn't generate the same kind of revenue through a traditional cover charge uh, in St. Louis as you could in DC, Chicago, and Houston. Uh, but what was interesting was, um, you know, we would start working with nonprofits, um, you know, think like a Big Brothers Big Sisters and helping them find mentors. Um, and then we would take that and package it uh, and then go to companies throughout St. Louis to have those events sponsored. And so, uh, interestingly enough, after doing that for a couple of years, um, I had a chance to uh, meet the head of HR for the Houston Astros. And, um, you know, literally, I'll never forget, uh, he looked at my resume and said, I'm not looking for an investment banker, because uh, obviously I was working in finance. Uh, but, uh, you know, after talking to him a little later uh, in the day at the event that I was at, um, you know, I kind of said, hey, you know, what do I have to do? And, um, you know, just kind of shared with them uh, the company that I built. I mean, you know, candidly, I guess to go back to your question, when I graduated, I don't think I thought that working in sports was a realistic thing. Uh, but, um, you know, I kind of shared with them the company that we had built, my partners and I, and, and the experience I had working with sponsors. And next thing I knew, I was in an interview process uh, to be on the ac activation side, account management side of the uh, sponsorship space uh, for the Houston Astros. And uh, I guess the rest, as they say, is history. So I was at the Astros from uh, 2012 to 2015. Uh, while I was there, uh, tremendous time, uh, but obviously got there um, when the team was not quite what they are today. Um, and, um, you know, just look, but I learned a lot. I mean, literally, you know, my, my boss there, uh, you know, big shout out to my boss. He was amazing. Uh, one of the best bosses I ever had um, as it pertains to just making sure I sat down with all my, you know, corporate partnership clients and understand why they, uh, you know, kind of sponsored and spent money with the team um, and did that for a couple of seasons. 
decided to get my MBA. Um, I was fortunate enough, like I said, I snuck into Duke, got my MBA at Duke University, uh, graduated, uh, briefly worked at a tech startup, uh, which is now MVP Index. Uh, it was at the predecessor, which was called Umble. Unfortunately, uh, was was laid off in the transition, uh, but then I was able to uh, land a role with the Cleveland Cavaliers as a director of corporate partnership sales. And then I joined the Chargers uh, February of 2020. So uh, I got to Cleveland four months before LeBron left and I got to LA five weeks before COVID. So uh, if you want somebody who's your patient straight of timing, uh, that is I. Well, you know, as you say that, the essence of, you know, bumps in the road through a journey, I mean, yeah, you haven't, you have not had a smooth sailing, you know, Tesla driving 100 down the street. I mean, look, when, when you were talking about throwing parties in, in kind of air quotes, right, for your first yeah. um, gig out of college, in a sense, you know, while just kind of doing that on the side, you still had a mindset of, of a little bit of entrepreneurialism, but also revenue minded, right? You were talking about the cover yeah. charges and so on. But I wanna talk about how did you relate that experience to someone who is looking at probably resumes of people who've done internships in sports or had yeah. jobs in sports, right? And you ultimately had to sell yourself yeah, to the sure. HR you know, um, personnel to say, hey, like, give me a shot, right? And, and a lot of people have to do that, but there's very few that do it really, really well and are able to tell that story? Yeah, no, I think that's a great, uh, great question. I think for me, you know, I didn't break into sports till I was 27. So, you know, I, I had some time, I'd been working for a couple of years before I said broke in. Um, you know, when it came time to uh, have that conversation, when the opportunity was placed in front of me, um, I think I had to really articulate the relevant skill sets that I had, right? So, you know, for me, it wasn't that I had done all these internships, right? It was that, you know, I had created this company and, you know, I had realized that brands like to organically be attached to, you know, just the consumers, right? And whoever they touch. And so through creating that company, we were able to, you know, kind of fold it into a nonprofit or role work with nonprofits, if you will, help them accomplish their objectives and then help the companies kind of do well uh, by doing good. And so, you know, they were able to be affiliated with, you know, the events that we we're putting together that we were organizing um, that helps these, you know, nonprofit organizations accomplish their objectives. And so I think, you know, what was interesting was, um, you know, I think it was really framing the story, right? Like I could say I threw parties or I could say that I co-founded a company um, where I went out and negotiated contracts, where I went out and, you know, sought, you know, sought out and solicited partners, right? And so, you know, I think once I really re realized uh, the work that I was doing, uh, to be able to better articulate that in a way that um, aligned with the job I was looking for was very helpful. Um, but it took persistence. I mean, you know, it definitely wasn't something where, you know, it was necessarily like the first opportunity that came my way, um, you know, was, the door was opened. Um, you know, the story of how I broke into sports is a much longer uh, story. I won't bore you with the details, but, um, you know, I guess the, the short version is, is I was looking at uh, MLB had uh, an executive, develop, executive development program, um, and this was 2010. Um, and, you know, I, the program, I think in back-to-back -back summers, like the Dodgers and Rangers went bankrupt um, in like 2010 and 2011. And so they kept delaying the program in increments that were like, I'd say they were, they were too long to necessarily, um, you know, make any significant life plans, but too short uh, for me to take my name out of the hat, right? And so, you know, because on some level, it's like, if you really want to do it, 
um, you're going to chase that dream. And so uh, MLB decided that they were going to create, you know, like this kind of career seeker uh, summit, uh, we call it the diversity summit. Um, and so literally it was like a, a job fair, if you will, uh, for anybody that was trying to break into baseball and, um, you know, and they had people on the, um, you know, kind of the, the career seekers and they had the, you know, the people that were looking to do business with baseball. And it's interesting, they called it Diversity Summit, but it was really a swath of like everybody, a little bit of who's who, if you will, um, you know, kind of coming through. And, you know, I had a chance to see all 30 HR individuals. And so, you know, I mean, I had people that tell me, look, look, you're making a decent amount of money. You can get an internship and that wasn't necessarily feasible. Uh, and then finally to, you know, meet the head of HR at the Astros, we kind of hit it off in the morning. He was like, no, in the evening at the baseball game, he was like, all right, well, let's talk. And so, you know, we had a conversation and, you know, from there it was being persistent and following up. And next thing I knew I was, uh, it was in Houston. As, as you're thinking about going through that process, you know, you, you mentioned you kind of had those four five, six years working in finance already, and you were kind of steadfast on a career path there. What were the thoughts that you had to think about or what were the perspectives you had to think about in terms of just completely saying, all right, I'm exiting this as a whole. Yeah. I'm yeah. completely taking a right turn because you ended up doing that again when you went to school in some form of fashion, right, yeah. as, as well. It's interesting. I mean, I think at that point in time, it was like, are you ready to take this pay cut? Because <laughs> um, it was a legit 45% pay cut, right? And, you know, I was 27. Um, I had a really good thing going in St. Louis. Um, you know, my first job was at Edward Jones. I loved every minute of it. Um, in terms of seeing a company with a good culture, you know, I think I was very spoiled in that regard. I mean, they definitely a strong company with strong culture. Um, and then, you know, obviously transitioning from that to work for on the team side uh, three times over, you know, I can definitely say that there's, you know, there's some nuances, right? I mean, you know, I like to say that, you know, I had a chance actually when I was in undergrad intern at uh, Lexus and they spent, I spent a couple of months in their call center before going to work in a different department. And, you know, one thing that they would tell their customers was that each dealership is independently owned and operated. And so, you know, what they were basically saying is that, you know, the way that one dealership runs is different than the way another dealership runs. And so anytime somebody asks me, you know, what's it like working on the team side, you know, I let them know that all these teams are independently owned and operated. And so, you know, like just because you had one experience with one team doesn't mean it'll be the same and consistent throughout. And, you know, I've, I've definitely had some really, I've been very fortunate to, to land in three great organizations, um, you know, and so, you know, from that perspective, I've been very fortunate in, in that regard. Um, you know, nothing is utopia, right? There definitely are areas where, you know, things could be improved uh, at all of them. But at the same time, you know, I think they all made me better uh, for various reasons. And so, you know, I, I think for me, you know, as I think about, you know, kind of going back to, to the question around, you know, what I had to consider, um, you know, really it was, it was the, it was the pay cut. It was leaving the only thing that I had ever known. Right. It was, you know, kind of, okay, moving to a new city, uh, starting over. Um, you know, I knew that advancing in sports generally meant you had to be willing to relocate a lot. I don't know that I necessarily thought I wanted to do that at the time. Um, and so, you know, it was, a, there was a lot on my plate, a lot for me to kind of think through, but, um, you know, I felt like um, you don't ask for something your entire life. You don't want something your entire life and then you get it and then be like, you know what, I'm good. Um, and so I think for me, it was like, I knew it was very simple. It was, the math was like, you know, what will you regret more? Will you regret staying or not? And, you know, 25 years from now. And I, re I realized that like, you know, I had done a really good job everybody there and I made sure everybody was like look if you need to come back you can right like so I tried to make sure that I left them really good terms 
um, because it was it was really a shot in the dark. Uh, but you know, it, it's made me who I am, um, and I, it, it's the bet on myself, right? That I guess is still I'm still kind of betting on myself, if that makes sense. Well, hey, you're in sales. I would hope you're betting on yourself a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's it's all you at that point for for what you're responsible for. But I want to go to that that transition you made to go to get your MBA because yeah, for sure. Not everyone does that. Not everyone goes to Duke either. But then, you know, you also, one would think, oh, you're going to go get your MBA so that you can go back into the finance world or, or do your consulting or, you know, go get that real high paying job. Right. But then you go back into sports where you're able to take kind of that next real good step in your career with the Cavs um, on the business development side as well. Talk a little bit about that transition, what you learned getting your MBA and how yeah. that's now helped you in the last two roles. No, for sure. I, I think, um, you know, it's interesting, right? Like, you know, I was uh, very fortunate to, you know, apply and get into Duke uh, for my MBA. And I think it was a very similar uh, circumstances is going to the Astros where, you know, I grew up as a huge Duke basketball fan, like literally from the time I was five. Um, and, you know, it was very similar to, you know, you, you, you wanted this thing your entire life. Now you finally get it you know, and you just, I don't think it's the time to say no. And so I think from that perspective, um, you know, I went in um, thinking that it was really about, okay, I'm going to go to this, you know, prestigious school and I'm going to have an amazing network and like the rest is kind of gravy, not realizing, and I'm so glad to have gone through the process of like really taking the time to uh, just understand what the gaps were, right? Like, I think the formula really was, you know, uh, through my career today, I had gained a certain set of skills um, I realized that, you know, I was, you know, my my growth may have been stunted, right? Had I not necessarily done something to try to, uh, you know, work on or advance my skill sets. Um, and so, you know, really thinking about, you know, the MBA as the, you know, kind of quickest and most efficient way to gain those skills, right? Um, you know, and especially the knowledge that I, that I gained while I was there, um, such that on the other side, I could accomplish my short-term goals and then over time, accomplish my long-term goals. And so, you know, I think for me, you know, what I didn't necessarily appreciate going in that I definitely do coming out was um, just how much of, of what I, how much, just how much I wanted to work on myself, excuse me, in terms of like my skill development and just learning more. And so for me, it was really, you know, taking every single marketing class, taking every single entrepreneurship class. Um, you know, I was kind of in this interesting place of kind of being, I like to say at the intersection of like, media, entertainment, sports, and then entrepreneurship, venture capital. Um, I hustled, man, while I was in school. I, I planned uh, the media, entertainment, sports conference. I planned the entrepreneurship, venture capital conference. I planned the minority business conference. And I did that because I felt like um, it'd be one thing to say, hey, Jake, will you, you know, help me with my career? It'd be another thing if I said, hey, will you come speak at Duke, right? And so I was, it was a really kind of cool way to build a network. Um, and just an amazing experience. And at the same time, you know, to your point, um, you know, I was the guy who was going into school, like, hey, I'm going to either do my own thing or go back to sports. It was it was one of those two uh, kind of paths, if you will. And so, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a, a an internship at an artificial intelligence uh, tech startup in Silicon Valley. Um, and interestingly enough, kind of fun fact. Um, so this was 2016. Um, I was working in, you know, I was living in Oakland, working in Redwood City, um, and I had a chance to go to Game 7 where the Cavs beat the Warriors, and so I was actually at Game 7 when the Cavs beat the Warriors, although I had not worked there yet, 
Um, and then interestingly enough, when I graduated, I took a job at a tech startup in Austin in 2017 and drove to the World Series when the Astros uh, beat the Dodgers. And interestingly enough, I joined, I left the Astros two seasons before they won the World Series and I joined the Cavs two seasons after they won the NBA championship. And I, although I was at both of the events, um, the Cavs won in, you know, in, in Oakland, uh, unbeknownst to me that I ever worked in Cleveland, right? Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it was interesting. I was the, the student who, you know, graduated and didn't have a job, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, went to a conference in Chicago uh, that was put on by SBJ and Intersport um, and was looking at a couple of different opportunities and ended up taking the, the tech startup in Austin that was really working around the whole like fan data, um, you know, kind of advanced marketing decisions that you can make using leveraging fan data, um, using the teams as a vehicle to collect that data and then decisions you can make from a marketing perspective around it. Um, you know, which I thought was, you know, something that could be very transformational. Um, you know, unfortunately, my timing just wasn't the best, right? And so, you know, it, it was, it was kind of tough to be, you know, in a job and six months later, you're looking for something. Uh, but I learned a lot, uh, definitely throughout that process. Uh, and then I applied uh, and got the role in Cleveland, um, where, you know, I joined, you know, the Cavs in March of 2018. So literally four months before, uh, you know, our, our LeBron decided to go out to, to LA and join the Lakers and, you know, just learned a lot. I mean, that's, I think to me, you know, my title was Director of Global Corporate Partnerships. And, you know, I, I like to say that, you know, it, it was definitely, you know, from that perspective, at that, that specific time, you know, I kind of went from talking to companies kind of all over if you will, to then kind of really focusing and you know, kind of bypassing local, bypassing national, excuse me, and really focusing on a lot of local things. And so I think from there, it taught me how to prospect and, you know, and just learn and, and, and excuse me, prospect and reach out to the right people, identify the right decision makers. I think I came in thinking about my network, you know, at the highest level, right? Thinking about, you know, the, the MBA and even, you know, going to Florida A&M, which is a historically black school, that's another cl close-knit uh, community. And so really thinking about how to leverage that. In Cleveland, none of that really mattered, right? And so it really became a function of like building relationships from the ground up, getting involved um, and kind of kind of going through. So, you know, again, probably a long-winded answer to your question. And I probably went a little past it, but uh, just again, uh, you know, as I was thinking about it, it literally, um, I, I've kind of, I kind of figured it out as I went, you know, to be honest. Yeah. To say you have everything planned out as you go is, is a complete lie. I mean, sometimes you just kind of figure it out, but I, I will say, I'm going to test your knowledge. You mentioned timing because timing is everything, but you mentioned, you know, kind of the connection to the Cavs and then the, the Astros and the, you know, when they won and all that sort of, stuff. when did Duke last win? Yeah, no, you're right. I, so I got to Duke literally a month after they won the national championship. So there, I was, there you go. There, yeah, there was uh, absolutely yeah. a correlation between. I, yeah, no, I missed, I, I, I was actually on campus uh, that April um, and literally it was like days after they had won. My birthday is the end of March. And so I always remember my why March Madness is typically my favorite time of the year. And so I was literally on campus days after they won. Uh, and to your point, I mean, so I, yeah, I missed the championship by a couple of months uh, and, and obviously two, uh, two rings I don't have. So uh, <laughs> it's all right. But, you know, according, according to Andy, Pat and Fred, the rings just end up going in some drawer uh, so that they're, you know, they're not stolen, but you're not wearing there you them. Go. There so, you go. There you go. The jewelry, I and guess. Who needs the excess jewelry? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. There you but go. you said something really interesting as it related to you know, when you went to the Cavs, right, and, and you were able to um, kind of have to figure it out, right, you almost had to switch your mindset in the sense of what you thought you were going in to go do, 
and be able to leverage and leverage this and leverage that. And then you kind of get to a point where you're like, all right, I need to, I need to change what I'm doing in order to succeed. Right. And there's kind of that mindset shift for you. And I want to go into our brain fuel segment because I find it interesting. And I'll start off with one of the questions of kind of from a mental standpoint, when you have to switch your mindset on how you prepare for each day, how you're going about the business, how do you go about that? And, and, and the switching component isn't easy. Yeah, no, listen, I think um, as I have matured uh, and grown older, um, you know, I wouldn't call myself wise, many stretch the imagination, but I think as I matured and grown older, I've, I've realized the importance of, of persistence and perseverance. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, life can be a, a challenge and a fight at times. And I think, it, you know, really, you know, as opposed to um, assuming that everything will be smooth sailing, I think if you assume that there will be bumps along the way, um, it, it makes you more adept at dealing with those bumps, right? And so, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, right? I really believe that, you know, um, that everything really does work out in the end. Um, but I, th- and I think if it's not worked out, it's not the end yet. And so I think from that perspective, for me, you know, it really is reminding myself that there are supposed to be bumps, that there are supposed to be, you know, I, I like to think that, and I heard this phrase said where it was like, what messes us up is the idea of the way things are supposed to be. And so I think, you know, as opposed to thinking about the way things are supposed to be, just kind of appreciating what is, um, has been very, very, very instrumental for me to really just be successful. Because, you know, the reality is, is that like, you know, look, I can't control the, the, the deck that I've been dealt or the hand that I've been dealt, if you will, from the deck of cards. Uh, but I can control, you know, one, how I approach it. I can control my work ethic. I can control all of that. And so, you know, as opposed to, you know, getting down about, you know, the less than ideal circumstances that you may get at any point in time, you know, there's a lesson in that. And I think, you know, for me, you know, it made me figure out, okay, well, you know, if the companies on the coast aren't going to call back right now, and I think a lot of that was just, you know, it was temporary, it didn't last forever. It was, hey, you had this property where you've been in the, you know, the NBA finals last four years, right? Like, we don't know the value anymore, right? Are you guys going to be a playoff team? Are you not going to be a playoff team? Like, what is it? Like, we don't know, right? And, you know, great organization, very well run, um, you know, within the Quicken Loans family of companies. So there's a lot you can do there. They, you know, they're primary tenants in the building. So there's a lot that you can do. Um, but I think then it comes down to trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the value now, right? Is it the same? Is it, is it the same as it was yesterday? Is it less than, or how, if, if so, if less, how much? And I think for, you know, to kind of navigate through and really make sure that we had, you know, just very tight, you know, kind of talking points and understanding exactly what, you know, we thought we would be. Obviously, the team ended up being in the lottery uh, the next couple of years. And so, you know, from the, from the on the court product perspective, you know, a little bit of a challenge, but at the same time, you know, they were going through a transfer, a building transformation, right? And so there was a lot of opportunity there. And so it really just required, you know, to kind of control the frame and shift the narrative a little bit, right? And so I think from that perspective, it was really, you know, I'm, I'm definitely somebody who I like to think of as a, as a, while I'm glass half full, I'm also a realist, right? So, you know, I'm never going to go out and say, hey, look like you, we're now going to be NBA champions. But at the same time, there's a great story here. And there's a lot of amazing things. And so, you know, it might make sense to have that conversation and figure out, you know, exactly um, what opportunities make sense and, and, and how we can work together. And so, you know, I think for me, it was more a function of, I think I'm a better, I think I'm better at what I do because I had to learn how to like be scrappy and, you know, be creative and figure out how to get people to think about a market they may not have already been thinking about, right? Like, you know, it, it's, and it's a great place. I love Cleveland. I had an amazing time there. 
you know, and it's, it's different obviously than being on the coast. Right. And so, you know, from that perspective, but, you know, still one of the top, I think three to five teams in terms of overall sponsorship revenue. And so, I mean, they do an amazing job, right. They, they definitely outpunched their weight class for sure. And, you know, being able to be a part of that and learn kind of how they think about things and how they approach. And then on top of that, realizing that I'm there at a time when, you know, this, the narrative got a little harder, got a little more challenging. Right. And I think anybody, any objective person could, could say that, but then understanding how do you succeed in those circumstances. And so I think for me, you know, it really was just about being persistent and persevering. Not everyone can be selling for a championship team every single year. It just doesn't happen, right? All teams There's only one in every sport, right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 look, everyone's kind of organization more or less goes in that cyclical nature of rebuilding to really good to having those kind of playoff runs to then rebuilding to, you know, th- there's a there's a cyclical nature to it and it's the really really special ones that can make those stretches, you know, as long as possible, right? And not not kind of the one season wonders. Um when you think about sales though, and what you've been able to do in your last couple of roles, and, and maybe it's something you've even learned during your MBA, but how do you approach productivity in, in that, look, you're trying to, yes, there's a lot that goes into sales, right? It's not just picking up the phone. Sure. There's the messaging, the perspectives, the um, getting to the right person and a whole list of other things, but productivity wise, making sure that you're making enough outreach to get to your goal and so on. How do you go about the productivity component? Yeah, no, another good question. Um, you know, look, I think that there are your fundamentals, right? So by that, it's, you know, how many companies are you reaching out to on a regular basis, right? Or pretty much every day, right? So for me, you know, I try to get in five a day, right? I try to say, okay, how, what are the five new companies I can reach out to uh, on a daily basis? Um, and, you know, I think the fundamentals are, you know, from there, you know, doing your homework, your research, right? Being able to really have a tailored outreach strategy, right? You know, I think if I can, you know, really then, you know, get multi-layer deep in within an organization, right? Trying to identify the right people. Um, it's not easy. I think it definitely takes time and, and like a lot of prep work. Um, but I think from a, you know, again, kind of the core competencies, core competencies of, you know, your outreach, finding the right people, you know, doing your homework, doing your research, right? I think for me, that's kind of where the, the fundamentals play in. And I think the other side is, you know, in terms of just really kind of mastering the craft, it's, you know, look, just being a likable human being, right? Like, I think sales is very much like people like to do business with people that they like. Um, and so I think that there is, you know, there's an IQ element and an EQ element, right? And I think on some level, you know, for me, you know, one thing that I've always tried to do is, I mean, because I think sales is storytelling, right? And so I think a lot of that is being able to tell a very compelling story based on the information, uh, but then making sure that story is relevant, right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're aligned with, you know, the objectives of the organization that you're working to, right? Like they're trying to accomplish something through the partnership. So let's make sure that we're aligned with that. Let's make sure that we actually have a real way to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. And I think, you know, to your point, I think going back to business school was helpful because it really gave me um, the nuts and bolts of just business at a, at a, at a kind of multi-layered level across a number of industries. Right. And so being able to go in and have a conversation with, you know, a CEO, a CFO, a CMO uh, and have a different conversation kind of in their language, if you will. Right. You know, I think uh, that's a definitely a unique skill set that has really helped me if it, as it pertains to just being able to, you know, again, in my own way and, stay, and staying true to me, but being able to relate to the person on the other side of the table. And so, you know, when I think about the combination of kind of the, the core kind of fundamentals, you know, this being, you know, being on top of the game, doing the outreach, and then, you know, really combining that with the soft skills and, 
you know, again, also just, you know, while I mentioned that, you know, there was a lot of gained and learned from my time at Duke, it was beneficial in terms of gaining a Rolodex, right? And so being able to say, hey, listen, like, you know, my classmate works here or somebody that, you know, from another MBA program who I know works there, or can you connect me to this person? Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, really from that perspective, being able to kind of package all of that um, has really helped me as it, term, as it pertains to kind of navigating through uh, or trying to find some success, I guess, along the way. Yeah, absolutely. As we wrap up, I, I want to ask uh, one question. I'm throwing you a curveball on this one because you spent time in the finance world where probably a little bit of a different mindset going sure. in. Sure. Um, compare and contrast kind of the mindset you have to have working in sports versus the mindset you're working in finance. That's a great question. You know, so it's interesting. I, uh, when I was in finance, I was actually in like a partnership management type of role. And so I didn't even realize how much uh, carried over. But I think at an industry level, you know, finance is a highly regulated industry. And so because of that, you know, to get to get anything done took a lot of consensus. And so, you know, it was very much like, you know, we've got to have a, you know, a thousand meetings and make sure we include all the right people before we can do anything. And actually, it was probably my biggest struggle in the transition uh, to working to the Astros was my boss was like, Jerry, I need you to just run. You know, and it was like, well, everybody doesn't need to sign off on all of this. And it was like, there are things that we do need to sign off on. There are definitely policies and procedures in place, but this isn't, you know, this isn't the highly regulated in industry you were just coming from. You know what I mean? And and the the magnitude of the things that you would, that would need, you know, approval and make sure that we're because you're looking, especially when you're thinking about financial services, you're talking about a lot of people's money and making sure that like literally every single thing needs to be, every I needs to be dotted, every T needs to be crossed on everything from like a prospectus to, you know, actual real decisions that impact people's, you know, actual accounts. Whereas in sports, you know, I like to say that, you know, obviously nobody's dying at the end of the day, you know, and so from that perspective, it really comes down to saying, okay, like understanding that this is a different environment and really understanding the rules of engagement and, and, and how to navigate that. And so, you know, I think for me, um, what's interesting is the, the, the juxtaposition between um, how many eyeballs it needed to, uh, or approvals needed to be had in order to get something done. Uh, it's, it's night and day, uh, for sure. Yeah, it's super interesting. Great perspective. Um, I, I'll throw this last one at you. You have to have a favorite Duke player of all time. Grant Hill. Grant Hill. Ooh, I was right off the tip of your tongue. You were, you were okay. quick on that one. Yeah, Grant all right. So, so then as you've, as you've worked in, in now the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, um, gosh, what a couple different tech startups. I mean, you've, you've kind of touched a little bit of everything. Is there a sport that you wish you would have played growing up? Oh man. Um, I mean, it's interesting. So, you know, I told you I went to a, a, a famous high school for sports, which is why I was president of student government. Um, <laughs> but as a result, I played, you know, intramural basketball. I played like flag football and whatnot. Um, I mean, you know, I, I played everything, man. I played basketball, I played baseball, I played football uh, to varying degrees. Basketball was probably my best sport, but then I stopped growing in 5'8". So that kind of ended that career there uh, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think if I had taken, I would have liked to see what life would look like had I taken football a little more seriously, um, especially as I got older. I think football, um, what I appreciate about it is that literally everybody has a job and everybody's kind of relying on each other to do their job. And that's how the whole thing works. And I don't, it's, no sport, in my opinion, um, teaches the, the you know, accountability and responsibility that football does. 
because literally, you know, you can have one blown coverage and everything else is right and the whole thing blows apart. And so, you know, I think for me, I'd say it would be football in a more organized way because I think I would have, I think I, I would, and I appreciate it now, especially playing flag like I did for all the years I did, but um, with seven on seven and all that. But I think, you know, just understanding the accountability and responsibility and teamwork needed, I would definitely say football. It's a great perspective, taking the lesson out of the sport. Um, really interesting. Jarrett, really appreciate you sharing your story, your sure. insights, your your advice throughout, um, you know, the the bumpy road, right? Uh, that if you're looking for if you're looking for the bumps in the road, they're not as bumpy as you as you might imagine. So um, appreciate you sharing your story. No worries. Listen, I think everything works out in the end, man. So I'm, I'm just grateful for the. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by BrainFuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at BrainFuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, Fuel.com, with the code LIFO15, L-I-F-O-1-5 at checkout. And if you like BrainFuel, give us a shout out, comment, share, and leave a review. And a reminder to get your copy of LOL, Loss of Logo, What's Your Next Move? Our new book written by Andy Dolich and your host, Jake Hirschman. If you go to mascotbooks.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll receive 50% off at your checkout or available on Amazon, ebook, and print.